It's happy hour again from Uptown New Orleans at the lovely Columns Hotel. Where is that sort of jangling noise coming from? From my from, foot. From your foot, from under the table. Hi, I'm Grant Morris. In the next 60 minutes, you'll get to meet just three of the many thousands of fascinating people who live in New Orleans. <laughs> and you'll get to hear some live music, much like you're hearing right now. At the end of the show, you might conclude New Orleans is a great city where people love to talk, have fun and enjoy great music and jangling sounds, but you probably know that already, so let's get right on with doing nothing. But enjoying the next 60 minutes of happy hour together. Together. My three amazing guests today sitting around this very small table at the Collins Hotel are from left to right, Andrew Ward. Andrew Ward, thank you. Andrew Ward is the genius behind and the voice of Wahida, a collection of classic New Orleans funk and gospel songs translated into Urdu, the official language of Pakistan and India. Andrew teaches at Tulane University. Check this out. He's the founder and chairman of the board of the International School. He conducts ghost tours of the French Quarter. He's the arena announcer for the Big Easy Roller Girls. He's the high priest of New Orleans running of the Bulls. And he's the founder of the local St. Andrew's Day, otherwise known as the Polish Mardi Gras. If that's not enough to pack into a day, Andrew Ward also brews and bottles Jubilee ginger beer. Andrew, thanks for taking an hour out of your normal day to come and sit here with us. Well, I heard there was free booze. I see. So I how you, what are you drinking there? Some sort of a martini? Well, I got blown by Isaac during Southern Decadence, so this is the afterglow. Very nice. Caleb Trotter sits across the table from me. Caleb is the candidate for Congress for the New Orleans 2nd District. It's a very big seat. The seat has previously been held by Democrat Bill Jefferson, who was headed to jail. Republican Joseph Cowell, who was beaten by Democrat Cedric Richmond, the incumbent Caleb is running against. Caleb represents the Libertarian Party. To tell you the truth, Caleb, I only got as far as the campaign promised to legalize marijuana for the entire nation before deciding you had to be a guest on Happy Hour. Well, you wouldn't be the first one to uh, not make it past that one. All right. Well, it is the first thing on your website on the very top of the page. I'm excited about that. It's the easiest thing to talk about. Sitting to my right is Olga with just one name. Olga is a singer-songwriter who's been in New Orleans for the past 12 years and is modestly a very big deal. Not only is Olga a rare <laughs> white woman blues guitarist, most often compared to Bonnie Raitt and Janis Joplin, Olga wears many hats in the entertainment industry. She engineered Elvis Costello's Grammy-nominated Monkey Demand in 2005. Last year, she was elected to the prestigious Blues Foundation in Memphis. The year before, her short film, The Statue, won Best Louisiana Short at the New Orleans Film Festival. Good Lord. It's still winning awards. Wow. As an actress, Olga has just finished working for Quentin Tarantino and Django Unchanged. Her fourth record, Whatever You Want, is an all-star affair, and her video, It Is What It Is, has over 175,000 views on YouTube. Olga, Actually, welcome. over 200. Oh, well, see, I, did, I wrote this last time when we got before we got cancelled by Isaac. 200,000. Wow. Yeah. And talking of music, sitting across the room from us at the piano is the lovely, talented, gorgeous, and slightly emphysemic. Is that the word? Emphysematic? A tubercular. Foreman. Oh, thank you, Mitch. Very nice. That was a lovely version. Of our happy hour theme. Welcome back from Hurricane Isaac, everybody. Mitch, how you sound like the worst from, of everybody, actually. Uh, well, the hurricane was rough on me, but I endured. You do. You sound. <laughs> you sound bad. Do you have a pneumonia? Allergies, or, probably. Yeah, what is it? Yeah. Come in here. Probably allergies, right? I mean, Are you a I'm, doctor? No, but I have an things? allergy problem as well, especially since the hurricane, because it kind of kicks everything yeah. up. It's mm-hmm. sort of hurricanes and Mardi Gras really just kick up a lot of allergens. Hel- hurricanes and Mardi yeah. Gras. What's the uh, connection between those two? Well, because all the street cleaners come by and they. Uh-huh. They, they kick up all well, the we've stuff. We've had no street cleaners on my street. No, there's a lot of people, you know, and you're fighting with other people to get stuff thought, on the I ground. I thought it was rainy days and Sundays always get me going. It's hurricanes and Mardi It's hurricanes and Mardi Can you play that, Mitch? <laughs> I can't remember the song, Rainy Days. And How does it go? You really oh, do. Always get me down. Yeah, right. You do sound terrible, though. Yeah, really. Hey, what, what are you allergic to, Olga? 
mold, pollen, you know, dairy. Um, mold, pollen, and dairy. Mold, pollen, and dairy. And you've lived in New Orleans for 12 years. Yeah, it, I, like I said, it, it kind of comes and goes. And what I do is actually acupuncture helps me a lot. I just scheduled really? another appointment for Saturday. Where do you stick Saturday. the needles to get rid of mold puncture? And you know, I don't dairy. have to do it, thank goodness. I just kind of <laughs> lay there and I look away. And it Where doesn't... do they stick the needles to get rid of mold? Because I'd love that. Mm, it's like there's different pressure points right. in your, but I, in I your get, body. I know that so much, sometimes I get like two big ones on both sides of my neck. and then Like Frankenstein. Yeah. Like Mon- Herman sometimes on the top of my head. In um, the top of I usually head? get it probably about at least eight. <laughs> Needles, I would say. And how long do they stick them in for? How long do you? Twenty feel? minutes, twenty-five. Yeah. Do you feel it, or oh. they say you don't feel a thing? Uh, you feel like a little, a little like that. Oh, that felt in. great. Yeah, and <laughs> then, and then they, they manipulate hand, the but. needle a little bit. Like if you have like a particular channel that's like uh, blocked and sore, then yeah. it'll be a little sore when they move the needle around. Right. Sometimes they hook up like a little electrical um, <laughs> device. <laughs> so who's your acupuncturist over at Abu Ghraib? I mean, Metairie <laughs> actually, Metairie, the other country Metairie. where you're from. That's, your that's, that's, my, yes. that's my people. Land. Where you're yeah. from? Yes. <laughs> um, Is it a Chinese person? Yes. Yeah, Dr. Lam. He's uh, he's from um, not Hong Kong, but um, well, he's Mandarin. Taiwan. Yeah. Taiwan. Or China, maybe. Hey, by the way, you've got these individual volume controls here on your headphones. If you'd like to, if it sounds too loud or too quiet. So, how did you discover Dr. Lam, Olga? He because Dr. Wu, who formerly had the practice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. We went from woo to lamb. I just want to know, you know, if we're going to woo. Well, yeah. lamb is what's for dinner in our house because we had to cook it all up when the electricity <laughs> went yeah, out. So yeah, we're exactly. eating a lot yeah. of lamb this we week. some but Omaha steaks. Did you have a lot yeah. of lamb in the freezer? We had a lot of lamb in the freezer. What made you do that? I have no well, my, my mother bought it all. We had a huge leg of lamb you and still a, live with a bunch mom. of fillets. She lives upstairs. She lives upstairs. Yeah. Does she have a broom stick? She knock on the floor to tell you to shut up. No, but I can hear her walking. Keep it down. The floor, the ceilings are too high. I can't can't reach. That's kind of nice. You live in the same house as your yeah. mom, or it, is it? No, it is. It is. Yeah, it was she's great. listening right now. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, mom. It's great. Thanks. Hey, listen. While I think about this, I have to do this. Um, if you're listening to the show and you're in Los Angeles and it's before uh, Friday, September the seventh. You can get a couple of free tickets to go along to the Mint in L.A., which is on, um, where is the Mint, on Pico or Olympic? <laughs> you think I would know that, wouldn't you? Do you have, oh, what's funny? I don't know. I'm just laughing. <laughs> okay, well, that's all right. Um, well, help me out with this then. Big Sam's Funky Nation is playing, and uh, we're giving away a couple of pairs of tickets on behalf of the Mint and us here at Happy Hour. It's a Hurricane Isaac benefit that's organized by the St. Bernard Project, so all your money is going to help people rehab from the absolute devastation in Plaquemines Parish and Laplace and other places at Lafitte as well that got swamped by Hurricane Isaac. The show is September the 7th, 2012, which is Friday night. If you listen to this, it's probably today or tomorrow. So if you'd like free tickets, drop us a line at happyhour at inobroadcasting.com. You can go on our website, it's neworleans.com, and check it out. And uh, we'll be happy to give you a couple of pairs of tickets to go along and see Big Sam's Funky Nation live at the Mint. And you can help the St. Bernard Project rehab people from Hurricane Isaac. We'll mention that again a little bit later. But if you know anyone who lives in L.A. and you're listening to this, and even if it's Friday, tell them to to get along to the show, even if you're here in New Orleans or anywhere else. So as different people are trying to do things to rebuild after the aftermath of Hurricane Isaac, I wonder what the libertarians are doing to rebuild this city and the surrounding (laughs) areas. That's a damn good question, Andrew. (laughs) Caleb. Well, that that is a great question. Um, personally, I'm helping my landlord find new tenants for for our home, so that's going to be an ongoing thing. Um, Not really. How long can it take? Well, it's already happened, taking much longer than than we had anticipated. Well, the hurricane so. was only last week. It was. So you're a bit impatient. Well, 
I, I only take orders from, from the <laughs> from landlord. The landlord. So. <laughs> what, uh, what happened to the last tenants in the last week? Well, they just decided to move on. They had to eat because them. Of uh, they, <laughs> they didn't drown or anything. No, unfortunately not. Um, I am kind of disappointed, though, because there goes my direct connection to the NOLA Brewing Company as a result. So, What did the person, the tenant, do? My neighbor them? is an employee. Well, neighbor was, former neighbor is an employee there, so... Okay. I have to travel just as much as everyone else to enjoy our <laughs> so fine guy, local brewery. The guy so would bring home the he would steal stuff. It's daily ration. Yes. Would he steal it from work and then you would drink it? Because I'm sure that you shouldn't be running for <laughs> no, Congress if no. we can prove that. Daily, they're daily dig rations. That up on you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, really. That's just have the first ever, bit of dirt. Actually, have you been closet. to any of you been to the Friday weekly tour at Nolitz? On down on Chapatulas. Absolutely. One. It's, is, it's a great is, thing. Is it awesome? It is. I think it's every. Friday at two or three o'clock, but well, who's free at two or three time. o'clock on a Friday afternoon? I guess if you like beer, you That's can make a good your question. Um, Thank you. Yes, <laughs> my first good one of the day. Who is free at two o'clock on a Friday afternoon to go? People who believe beer? in very small government—that's who is free. <laughs> this at is two true. o'clock on a Friday. <laughs> I guess. Uh, um, a lot of tourists. I've only been a couple times, but it's it's a good mix. They're, they seem to be accruing a large sea of bicyclists because like ah. hipsters. I don't know if necessarily hipsters, <laughs> but because I mean, like, what are we the way here? the tour works, a lot of patchouli they, they and open, the taps are just open. So because they do that at Abita Springs, too. It's just not a great idea to be driving the rest from the tour. So I think that's uh, that's the main reason. But last time I was there, there was a literal ocean of bicycles. Well, not a literal inside, ocean of so. bicycles. That's crazy. Well, that's true. It was not literal. Well, I just so. want to hold you to the record, Congress. That, that's only <laughs> that's fair. <right. laughs> so. Um, what made you decide to run for Congress? You don't look like you're typical. You don't, well, do you or does he? I appreciate that. That's very sweet of you to say. Uh, I, I would say he, he looks like the new generation of, of, politicians? Uh, of Southern politicians. Really? Southern politicians. Stripey okay. shirt. Pink stripey Pink, shirt. Stripey Pink shirt. stripey shirt. Sort of spiky hair. Pink is in. Right, tell me about it. Look, like you've got chance. You guys Absolutely. have got pink everything. <laughs> pink is not in for politicians generally, unless you're already the president, probably, or Senator Lot. I think from Mississippi he used to wear. Pink. Or Barney Frank. Barney <laughs> Frank, absolutely. Barney Frank is retiring. retiring. Barney, Barney Frank, Frank is a guy uh, who who has influenced your political career by the look of it. That's true. Barney Frank and uh, Representative Ron Paul are both retiring at the conclusion of this mm-hmm. term. Last summer, introduced a bill that would. Um, legalize marijuana, remove it from Schedule One, and essentially regulate it much the same as alcohol and tobacco. Um, and it's basically languishing. Mitch is in, smoking in pot committee, right now. So. <laughs> <I feel> like, <laughs> oh. Got a cop to get off. Yeah. I mean, hey, <laughs> I never heard that. That's good. <laughs> there are uh, many documented medical uses, so it actually might so, do you some. And I spoke to so. uh, Doctor Wu and Doctor Lamb. They agree, actually. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, one a, large needle in the neck. Great to nice combine with acupuncture, <laughs> possibly. So what? Uh, what have Barney Frank and Ron Paul got in common on this issue? Why would they bother with that? Because they're both retiring, I guess they don't care. They don't have to get re-elected. You can say anything. True. The, that's one of the things. They had the flexibility to touch on a very hot-button issue politically. There are a lot of areas where you would never bring that up um, and, and hope to be re-elected. But their retiring saw it as a major issue that would not only save the country a lot of money, but save a lot of lives Literally and figuratively, and they decided... Figuratively, the I'm not so. sure about that exact either. Well, literally, a lot of people are, are killed each year in, in drug raids from the police uh-huh. force. And Are they really? And, Is that well, true? Absolutely. Um, with raids on correct houses, raids on wrong houses, um, plus how, just the matter of lives being are, run by 
how many languishing people are, in prison. How many so. people are killed every year by the cops by mistake on a drug raid? <sighs> Congressman? I, I don't have that number, honestly, but... Could one of your staff is, get that during the show? We absolutely can. How many people on the staff at this point? Any? One person on staff. Okay. It's a, it's a, it's a very small ship. That's not bad. But Dude, I'm telling you something. But it floats. The rest of the it, is, it is floating. Right out of the it right out of That's it. all that matters in New Orleans, man. <laughs> I'm, you telling you. Float. Right. I'm telling right. you. I'm telling you something. So does a blow-up doll, <laughs> which is actually the Republican <laughs> candidate. For, <laughs> the rest of the country. Talk to David Vitter about that. The rest <laughs> of the country doesn't want anything to do with legalizing pot, probably. That's but here in New Orleans, this is going to get you elected. I'm telling you. It's, it's I'm a good issue I'm going to work tirelessly <laughs> from now on, and so is Andrew, right, Andrew? I'm in there. Exactly, as he's eating olives out of the martini. Olga, you're in, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Who wouldn't want – I mean, there's no chance in hell of you being elected against Cedric Richmond here, is there, really? Minimal, depending, Minimal, depending right. on our, our unless, generous donors. Unless so. you have an issue that he right. can, can be beaten on. Legalizing pot has got to be it. No, I think I think Cedric Richmond well, has probably got to be in full agreement with you, uh, but he just can't say it as part of the party platform. And to me, that's part of the problem: mm-hmm. is we uh-huh. need people who are willing to take stands on issues that are tremendously important, not only to citizens of Louisiana, but when you're in a national office, the country at large. And just from a monetary standpoint, it, having to enforce the illegality of marijuana costs the state of Louisiana. This figure came from a few years ago, but $75 million just to enforce. Yeah. Do you know what we could what? do in education with $75 million? Or mental oh, health. Yeah, just, um, or mental health. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Maybe we could actually have a hospital, say. Maybe we get the power turned on soon. <laughs> <laughs> or, you, or you could just return it back to the taxpayers. But all these would be on the, t- on the table, and I'm right. sure people would be willing to solve other issues with that, and plus, that money aside. And on top of that is the taxation you would get from selling pot, right? Uh, exactly. The have $75 that, million is, how much is, is solely... Nationally, it's rough. The the figure that I saw these coming are coming from 2005. The cost then to enforce it was roughly six billion dollars mm-hmm. nationally. So that would be saving six billion. But the taxes, if they're taxed on an average level of most goods, would be about two billion. But most tobacco and alcohol are taxed at a higher level, so it would be. Higher than that, so you know who you got to get in with. Savings. You know who you really need to find your donors for this particular one issue campaign is going to have to be the snack food industry. <laughs> I mean, if, if anyone <laughs> stands to gain idea. a tremendous yeah. amount, who makes can, anyone, <laughs> can anyone get me the phone number for the uh, Cheetos <laughs> for the lobbyists there? Yes, for, yeah, Cheetos. Do you think Cheetos? I think chocolate. Chocolate would be good, what, absolutely. Do you smoke right. pot at all, Olga? This is off the record, of course. Off, yeah, <laughs> only, <laughs> only on tape. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I, I do sometimes. Right. I haven't in a really long time just because I, I don't know why. What I, time I just is it don't now? Have so any. It's 4.15, so you didn't have any. Yeah. Five Caleb, more minutes. Caleb, can, Five you, more minutes. can you hook us up? That, that, this is one of the funniest issues. Whenever I found... Um, in, in talking about this issue, I run into a lot of people who immediately respond with, oh, you're all just potheads. You just want to be able to smoke. Uh, however, I, I do not smoke it. I, I choose not to. And you just stick to crystal meth. I do love Breaking Bad. So <laughs> you do make, you make an actual choice not to smoke pot. Absolutely. And what is that based on? Um, tried it once in college and it made me ill. And oh, you've got to try different strokes for different keep, folks. You've got to keep going though. Yeah. Trying it <laughs> once, it's, you know, yeah. it just didn't seem to be my thing. So yeah, what's your thing? Drinking beer from Nola I Burren? enjoy Nola beer yeah. and our other fine local right. local flavors. So. Okay, so you just want to 
legalized pot because it's wasting a huge amount of money. Not only is it wasting a huge amount of money, I don't believe that the federal government should be in the position of telling people what they choose to to use with, within their own bodies, especially when it's something that I think the science pretty well says that it's actually better. It's not worse, any worse than alcohol. So, so why don't we? Yeah. So, so other way, we're gonna, not going right. to make alcohol illegal. So let's legalize. We pot. saw how well now, that works. <clears throat> what so. about cocaine? That's what I'm interested in. <laughs> <laughs> not for myself, because I don't do True. it. True. Yeah. I um, don't do it, but I, you know, I'm like you. you in know, that my, sense. my personal but beliefs. How much money are we wasting on that crap? Apply to all substances like that. that let's go. Heroin. There's of course the the political reality of what can you possibly hope to get to get done, especially at a national level. And ah, seeing, but that's exactly what Cedric Richmond would say about why he can't move forward about marijuana. He'd say there's a political reality that we have to acknowledge and we have to move forward from there and make public statements accordingly. So true. where do you draw the line in your own political reality? There's a distinction on saying that you believe something should be changed and something should be done versus what we can actually get done and seeing the momentum that's building in other states, especially in the western United States, with initiatives to actually not only with medical marijuana, but full-on legalization in, in, at the state level, there's a lot of momentum there. So to kind of piggyback on that from the national level, whereas with harder drugs, you don't really see a movement like that. So I like, like I, that is my personal belief, is going through the trouble of writing a bill for that, getting it in committee, mm. those resources and time. Can so you're, be not gonna, you're not, gonna, issues, you're so. not making any promises that you're going to move to the legalization of crack. Right. If if it was something where the timing was available, I would but theoretically this, I would I believe in that. This is like the gay but marriage argument. They say if we legalize gay marriage, you're going to let people marry the dog next. Sure. I got a really that's cute fucking dog, Grant. Well, okay. I'm not saying that I'm you a- should or shouldn't. I'm just making the <laughs> argument that that's what people say. It's a sharp end of the you know the wedge here that you legalize pop. The yeah, next thing is going to be crazy. Yeah. But I mean, it's like the next thing people are going to be marrying somewhere. their donkey. You start exactly. somewhere, and you should start with the with the pot because, like you said, it's really no worse right. than alcohol and in. For that matter, so. But that's the I mean, but that's, but that's the, that's the middle that. America argument is that if you start legal, that's what you're saying. You're going to legalize one thing. What where's it going to end? We and people are going to be marrying their dogs. But here, you're going to get elected on that. I hope in that, New Orleans. I hope so. It's different. So. New Orleans is different. That's why we're here. True. Right. Absolutely. That's right. I would. I would. Amen. I don't know Just why you're not wearing a, like a marijuana leaf or sitting around smoking a joint here now. Well, I, I, I don't it. have to. Fully, he he fully participate in everything to, uh, could, to support it. Kermit so. Reference could his, write the song. Do you have a campaign I, song for you? I mean, along those Ooh. lines, I, I also support you know gay marriage, and but I, I'm a straight man. So right. Just because you aren't you don't fully enjoying or right. participating in something, you don't have to be crucified it, to be so. to be a Christian. After all. That's Hopefully. What would help? They do in the Philippines. <laughs> Is that still happening? <laughs> hey, wow. Olga, let's turn to you for a moment and see yes. if you'd like to play us a song. Sure. What yeah. do you think? Tell us a little bit about what you're going to play. And, uh, or okay. We can, we, the support staff here is negligible, so <laughs> we just have to grab our own guitar here. I am going to play first a song. Um, it's a blues song from a woman. Her name was Jessie May Hemphill. She was a good friend of mine. I'm going to take these headphones off because the cord's okay. a little too... Too short. Do you want us to move? What I need. Okay. Do you want to um, before you start? No, thank you. Jessie May Hemphill. Yes. She was a, she was a, uh, a person who greatly influenced you and who she was who you greatly influenced. I would say probably. I'd like if to not think musically, that maybe then you certainly changed her life. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I would say that we uh, we had purpose in each other's lives, so that was nice. But she had a tell a us a little bit about career. her. 
Um, she was, she's from North Mississippi, from a town called Como, and um, came from a long line of indigenous musicians from the area up there. Um, her great, her grandfather, Sid Hampill, was recorded by Alan Lomax, um, who's an ethnomusicologist, really, and a, and a music historian, folklorist. Um, recorded Sid Hampill was her grandfather and also her aunt, uh, aunt um, Rosalie Hampill who played the guitar, and that's where Jesse May learned how to play guitar, and some of the neighbors that they had up there was a fellow named Fred McDowell. Later, that became known as Mississippi Fred McDowell, and the Rolling Stones covered one of his songs, and he influenced a lot of rock and rollers out there. Um, so they're all from the same town up there, and um, Jesse what is, May What is, does it look like, this little town, kind of? It's actually grown quite a bit. I mean, by, what I mean by grown is that there's some new buildings and some new businesses and that sort of thing, but it's still just one street. I think the population is about a thousand. My God. But it's about 40 miles south of Memphis, so it's right off the interstate, so it's actually quite accessible, and you still have this little small town feel and vibe to it, but it is not remote and isolated like some other small towns that might be far in the Delta or something that takes you, you know, 100 miles just to get there. So, um, anyway... I want to do one of her songs first. Okay. And, um, Which one are you going to do? It's called Go Back to Your Used to Be.
That's impressive. That was so rich. You know, it's, it's this down home resonance. You can, you know exactly where you are. That song does not come from Connecticut. <laughs> you know? no. like, that takes you instantly to a town with one street and maybe it, a thousand. Because it's kind of a people. one. That's the style of blues up there. It's really a one chord blues, mm. and it's it's very unique for the area of northern Mississippi. It's it's not anywhere else, and it actually has a very direct connection with West African music. If mm. you listen to music from. Uh, from Mali, for example, it's also very much just on the one chord with sort of what I say fake changes. So you pretend that you're going to change chords, like go to the one, the four or the five, for example, like in a blues, a regular blues structure. But you don't. I mean, the whole thing's just on the one. So you can do everything, play in the same key. In this particular instance, I'm in open D. So you could play anything in D. Mm. Any kind of scale will kind of work and go in and out. How many so. how many white chicks are doing this? I don't know. I don't really pay attention to that. Well, you, you don't see this. <laughs> I'm not too, worried about you don't it. see white women playing blues guitar no. very often, do you? Uh-uh. Well, you would know probably because you are one. I mean, you, there aren't any. I mean, I, I Bonnie, presume Bonnie Raitt. Bonnie, yeah. well, apart from the ones we know, Bonnie Raitt, Cheryl Crow probably st- plays a bit of blues too. Mm-hmm. But I mean, there aren't. It's not like uh, Janis Joplin, of course. Yeah, I would say a lot of more of, of the blues that's more common is is more of the blues that we're more familiar with, like the style of B.B. King or the style of Buddy Guy or right. something from Chicago. So there are a lot of blues singers out there. Yeah, but not women, not white women. There are white women out there. There are. Yeah. Well, there's one no, right here. No, well, that's, no, that's really what we're thinking I think it would be a very small, it would be a small, small segment it's, of the it's population. Definitely it's definitely a, a attra- What attracted you to the blues and not other types of music? You know, it, it just was never really intentional. It was just an accident, quite frankly. And Jesse May's music, when I first heard it, I felt like it was this ancient music, but very modern, and I felt this profound I was very moved by it and yeah. um, so it became sort of a How did you hear it at first? I was a radio DJ in in Boulder, Colorado. Is that where you were before you came here? Yeah, it was. Was that where you're from? No, I'm from San Francisco. Ah. Yeah. How did you get to be on the radio in Boulder? I started volunteering for a community radio station uh, called KGNU, and then from there... KGNU. KGNU. I did had a couple different radio shows on that, and then I also... It's hard to say that on the KGNU. KGNU. 88.5 FM. 88.5. And what sort of shows did you have on there? Blues show? I had... Um, no, they wouldn't let me do the blues show. The, the men had that sewn up. It was there like, you, you know... You I read was, into that earlier. I exactly. was a young white girl, and that was just... They just could not, right. I don't know, wrap so what, their heads around that I might have le- a concept What show it. did you do then? I had a jazz show, mm-hmm. and I had um, an afternoon, Friday afternoon uh, sound alternative, so it was this eclectic mm-hmm. mix. And I had... Um, 
a late night show from midnight to three called Sleepless Nights. And then I had on Saturday nights, every other Saturday, I had like a, a lounge show. So I'd play like, you know, that's tiki of, music or like Ema Sumac. That's and, a lot of, uh, you know, that's a lot of shows. Right. And, and, <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of shows you did. Like and then I had music. a college radio show as well that was syndicated. So that went out to 400 stations. So I did a lot of interviews wow. with bands and that sort of thing. And so doing all of that, I, I discovered. So that's Jesse the first McKinney. time you heard her. Was there? Was there? Yeah. Because it says on your bio. I mean, you can't believe half of the stuff you read on the internet. But is this true? You started writing songs yourself at the age of five. Four. Oh, see, I knew it was wrong. There you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I actually remember my uh, my rabbit, my pet rabbit died. And you wrote a song about that. I did. Bye uh, bye, bunny. He was killed by a, a dachshund. Wow. Right in front of my eyes. It's fucking Germans. It's it always the Germans. The it, it was the blues, man. Wow. It wow. was the yeah. first time I felt do the you, blues. Can you sing the song devast- now? Do you remember the song? I do not remember the song because I did not I didn't know what I was doing, but I I we had a piano. I just started piano lessons at, at four. that point. Yeah. Mitch, my bunny was killed by a wiener dog. I don't even think I knew how to speak that well at that point you know or maybe i did but i was mm-hmm. mostly german so who knows you grew, where were you i remember growing? sitting at the piano you were growing up wailing in, wow you were growing in san francisco but you were speaking in german yes my my family's from austria my parents are from austria so they moved here to america to the united states mm-hmm. and they spoke german at home mm-hmm. and so you grew up speaking, that's confusing too right isn't it that's yeah. why i said I isn't mean, olga <laughs> enough yeah <laughs> do you really but need to throw the rest on do there? you remember the first time you heard someone speaking english and you're like what the hell are they talking about yeah, I did. And um, so that must drive kids crazy. You know, and what was also really hard is that I remember having having being able to speak with my cousins just very fluidly, and then coming back the next year and speaking English, and they couldn't understand me. Uh. So I remember having like that real confusion going on there, like not knowing what language I was supposed to speak, and huh. a lot of times it was a combination right. of the two. So you're not at home. It didn't really matter because. You know, you what, just understand. Because there, there's, a lot, of, there's a lot of people in the United States who, who grew, and in other countries, obviously, who grew up like this. You grew up speaking a, a language at home, mm. and then you mm-hmm. go out and you realize when you're whatever, four or five years old, that that's not the language that everybody else is oh, yeah. mm-hmm. is, is speaking. Right. So, do you did you find it? Do you find it dislocating? Do you think your parents are crazy for doing that, or you're weird, or what was the sensation? Well, I definitely always felt like I I have been just sort of on my own drum beat, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> um, on the one. On the one, always. <laughs> keeping it on the one, as they say up in North so Mississippi. You think that's what started you on a life of feeling like an outsider? I wouldn't necess- necessarily say that was the reason, but, I mean, there's a combination of reasons, probably. I mean, I have a weird name. I'm bilingual. I'm an only child. I, you know... How did you get up with Scorpio long walks on the beach? Yeah, <laughs> Libra, you know, how'd can't you make up your, my mind you sometimes. Get, how did you get your mom to move to New Orleans as well? Um, I think she just really wanted to be near me. I mean, I'm her baby. Yeah. So it's pretty hot to come down from, you know, from Austria to San Francisco, which is not that bad because no, it's cold. Yeah, yeah. And then to get down here, that must be. And then to have no electricity for a week, how'd you like that? Oh, gosh, that was not pretty. Mm. wasn't pretty she at my place. She better than I did, actually. She did? Yeah, she did. I was. Did you fall to pieces? Come Saturday afternoon, Sunday was rough. Mm. Sunday, I was I was over it because Saturday there was four <laughs> trucks finally on our street and the power still didn't come. Right. Out. Yeah. All they're doing is yeah. shopping the goddamn Another. trees. And the there was whole time. nothing yeah. wrong. There was nothing down on our oh, street. Yeah, yeah. I had the same yeah. thing on my street. Right. So Everyone else just, is around. The whole was thing on. was so unacceptable on so many levels. Right. And I'm just thankfully there, the death toll didn't 
Absolutely. increase from that because, mm. frankly, I'm shocked that more people didn't have major health problems as a result. Well, you've got, you have to go and get acupuncture. I'm already getting heated talking about it. <laughs> but now you I have to go acupuncture. Who's going to pay for acupuncture? <laughs> Don't you think the city should Dr. pay Dr. Lamb. <laughs> Sorry. Dr. Lamb. Kate's here. What Thank would we like God, to drink? Kate. Kate. We had serious health problems here. Sobriety yeah. was creeping yeah. in on all of us. Thank well, the Lord you've returned. Andrew, what happened to your drink? Kate, my... Well, I don't know. It magically it's disappeared. Okay, okay. Uh, Cosmo, please. Cosmo? Cosmo, I'm good still. Olga, you're good with I'm you? I'm still good right now. Thank you. Caleb, another one? Sure. Why not? Let's get hey. the politician drunk. Yeah, let's talk, next. let's talk politics. Hey, I've got to tell you a couple of things. First of all, let's get Mitch to play something for us. Mitch, what about a nice little um, melody? I'm going to play a nice little melody. Okay. What are you thinking of playing? I'm thinking of playing a piece by a Russian composer named Scriabin from the okay. early 1900s. A little different from what wow. we usually do, but it's got some basic jazz harmonies in there if you listen closely. Okay. Here it goes. Beautiful. That was a very beautiful, if brief, piece of music. Lovely, it Mitch. is, isn't it? Yes, I love that stuff. it's um, a little mournful, I would say. Mm-hmm. No, Melancholy. Melancholy. Yeah. Melancholy was what I was going to say. Is it because yeah. you have pleurisy at the moment? You feel something a little <laughs> sad. <laughs> I don't know. I find it. It's. Uh, I don't know what it is. I think it's just beautiful. Yeah, it is beautiful. So, so everyone around here, Caleb, can you play anything? No, I hear I am surrounded by people with actual skills. I know. It yeah. makes you feel... I always feel that every time I sit at this table, I feel so inadequate because all these people can do all these amazing things. Yes. You, you can think as, as nice and as fun, as interesting as you can be, you still, you'll still never be able to play the guitar, sing, or uh, you know, do anything with any talent. It's awful, I'm isn't it? Happy to be able to enjoy it. So. Yes. Well, you can represent us all in Congress over the free pot. That'll be but something. if you, if you did <laughs> play an instrument, what would it be? I took a couple guitar lessons growing up, and then I saw a bass guitar and thought, oh, that would be different. Mm. So I have this fantastic-looking bass guitar that I've used maybe three times, unfortunately. Mm. So. The bass that looks easy because it's only got four strings. That's what I thought. 
far harder than the ukulele. The ukulele does say, well, so does the violin, probably, doesn't it? How many does that have? It has four strings. It only has four. That might be slightly more difficult. The bass looks easy because the big fat strings and it's a giant instrument. You go, how can you screw that up? And you get to stand in the back and bounce around and look cool. So, yeah. Well, you can still do that. You can do that in Congress because you'll be at the back, right, when you start off. As a junior member. And and it's not like I can sit on either side of the aisle. Because you'd be a libertarian. Where would you sit in Congress? That's That's a a great question. I kind of have an idea. (laughs) Have you all been to uh, possibly? They're not far right, the libertarians. No, they're so far right that they're practically next to. Bernie Sanders and the socialists. I mean, they're all the fucking way around there. Well, no, only economically, really speaking. But um, and even my my kind of envision is if you've been to Fenway Park and seen the red Ted Williams seat that's way off in a sea of of green seats. That's kind of what I think they'd do to me. Way in the back, my own different yeah. colored seats. So. Maybe Joe Lieberman will let you sit. Oh, no, that he's would probably the be Senate. a good that's thing true. actually, because there is something to be had to be to be able to observe from a distance, because then you true. can you know how to mobilize your army. Absolutely. There's the army of one. Army of one. Little Sun Tzu. Little Sun there. The big Art of War. For a you know bipartisanship, I mean? everything yeah. I would do would ha- by nature have to be bipartisan. So, yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to you representing me in Congress. This is going to be exciting. I'm not a libertarian. That. I don't know I what... I would ask I, for a balcony seat, frankly. Do we have to be a libertarian? Yeah. Better view. Do we have to sign up to vote? We can just... I'd ask for a Are you on the ballot for real? I'm on the ballot. So we can just go November November 6th. Absolutely. Hey, listen, if you're listening to the show outside New Orleans and you're wondering who our congressman is going to be, it's Caleb Trotter. Uh, On my left, Andrew Ward is the genius and the voice of Wahida, which we're going to listen to. And Olga, just one name only, is sitting to my right. If you're listening to this from outside New Orleans and you're on the way here, you'd like something to do, you want a hotel or you got some ideas about what to do while you're in New Orleans, check uh, check out neworleans.com. Our friends over there at neworleans.com is New Orleans' official travel site. After a couple of years in shows, bars, museums, parks, and pretty much wherever else they could, the fabulous new movement has opened a full-time comedy theater in the Marigny at 1919 Burgundy Street. Have you guys been to this theater? Absolutely. Isn't it great? Wonderful. These guys are sheer geniuses, and I don't use that word lightly. Everything is free or cheap. There's improv and sketch comedy classes. I went to a show there and saw the Chris and Tammy show for five dollars, mm-hmm. and then I stayed for the show after. I was there. I had about two and a half or three hours of comedy, which is as good as anything you'll see anywhere right. in the world. I swear to God, for five bucks. That's fantastic. I don't know how they keep the place open, but it's really, really great. They have improv and sketch comedy classes as well. You can check that out and check out tnmcomedy.com for more information. Also, you can listen to the fabulous Chris True and Tammy Nelson on this website. It's neworleans.com. They do a great show called True to the Game, New Orleans' first badass sports comedy show produced by our very own Chris Kehoe sitting over there. Hey. Thank you very much. Hey. It's a great oh, show. Mitch, that was the nicest music you've played in, I don't know, t- three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very, very much. There's no, like, blood coming up on the yeah. ivories right now. <laughs> So let's talk about Wahida, Andrew. Oh, yeah. Because I mean, the last time you were here, you, oh, it, you know, started up the whole I, thing. I, I am, well, actually, it was the first time you had me in here that it was, I have this idea. Wouldn't it be really cool if we sang New Orleans folk and gospel standards in the national language of Pakistan? That would be pretty sweet. Because talk in the about entire country, where, where did this idea come from? Well, uh, 195 countries. Were you countries stoned? Were, I, was, I was not stoned. I was absolutely not stoned. Um, I was eating Cheetos in massive amounts. Ah. And it was that the, can do it uh, it was the cheese powder. Sure. 
that got into my right. brain. Uh, no, but uh, referring to earlier uh, upbringing stories, uh, my father's a diplomat. I grew up in Yemen, and then we bounced around back and forth, Yemen, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, Pakistan, Poland, and India. And one of the things that, you know, as you were talking about being a child coming back and having difficulty uh, speaking to people around you, we would come back every summer to Jacksonville, Florida, where my grandparents live. And the great, I've had insomnia my whole life. And the thing is, I could only get away from not having to go to sleep if I used the familial excuse of jet lag. Be like, okay, fine. Sit in front of the television. You'll, you'll pass out eventually. Because we always have jet lag. You're always traveling. You always have jet lag. So I'm sitting in front of the television. Three o'clock in the morning, Jacksonville, Florida. What's on at three o'clock in the morning, Jacksonville, Florida? Televangelists. I want to say you put your hand on the TV screen and send all your money. Praise God. And they would give these sermons, these elaborate sermons. I would say, oh my God, look at his red sequin jacket. Look at his incredible <laughs> pompadour. You know, look at these people. These are incredible. Incredible showman, and I didn't really understand what the fuck they were talking about, but I loved it. I loved it. And there was one about the sermon of the flood. You know, it's like the flood's coming, gotta get all your giraffes in a boat and get the hell out of here. I was like, that's it. So, as soon as we go back to Yemen, I put on. Oh no! I put on oh, no. my <laughs> yellow slicker. I put on my flippers, my snorkel, and my mask, and I go to the old town bazaar of Sanaa, what was then North Yemen, and I'm milling about in the ancient land of Queen of the Sheba, uh, speaking in nice Yemeni Arabic, giving them the entire sermon of wearing blood, flippers, wearing flippers, and they're all like, oh, "Look at this little platinum-haired little child, isn't it cute?" And I was like, "We're all gonna die." And they're like, "That's adorable. Have a chocolate." <laughs> so. Who did you think you were at that point? Oh, at that point, I thought I was the savior, and I tried to tell them that I was. And did I was you really? Four be- or five. Did you believe that? Uh, well, who else could it be? I was well, you had, a, you had a messianic <laughs> complex at five years old. You thought I you don't were think gonna... it was that complicated. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take the word, really quite I'll take the word complex out of it. Then you believed you were the messiah at five years old, going back to Yemen wearing flippers and a wetsuit. Amen. To try and <laughs> sa- exactly to right. try and save who? There were very few giraffes, but I wanted to save <laughs> the two Holy that were at crap. the sun. Because I was scared something would happen to them. So eventually, you know, my my very secular and totally atonal family, you know, just (laughs) patted me, kept me in the in the corner for decades. You know, were they worried about you at that point? Uh, Well, they they find a way of distancing themselves from me. You want to go to New Orleans? It's great. You know, (laughs) (laughs) we'll be in Malaysia. Have Have a great time over there. And so through this, I fell in love with the New Orleans music scene. Gospel is by far the most effusive. Uh, emotional music I've ever encountered anywhere in the world. Uh, My sister and my brother-in-law live in Mali right now, and uh, the the whole musical experience that comes out of that is intrinsically tied to the gospel tradition. And then say, all right, well, let's think uh, comparative advantage, sort of Ricardo style. I can't move forward and be like, hey, guys, I'm a gospel star in New Orleans. The people will laugh me off the the planet. I can't. Is that what you'd like to do? You'd like to do gospel star? I would love to spend my rest of my life writing children's stories and singing gospel. I think that'd be, and I'm not even religious, but I just really like gospel music. Why couldn't you do that if you wanted to? If Olga can be a white blues guitar player. Well, she actually has a really lot of talent. The funny thing about it is you've got a great voice. Though. Did you know that before this album? Uh, well, the whole idea with this album was I was going to get other Urdu speakers to sing my translations of the songs. <laughs> 
And they're like, well, we can't really get one. Um, you're just going to have to do it. I'm like, fine, I'll wow. do two songs, and we'll see if other people get hip to the idea and they want to do it. You couldn't get an Urdu speaker in New Orleans to sing New Orleans in Nashville. Songs. We recorded in Nashville. in Nashville. Oh, that's even that's even more unbelievable. There's no Urdu singers in Nashville who want to sing gospel. There are no gospel. I'm shocked. <laughs> you didn't look hard enough. Did you look on uh, Craigslist? <laughs> I did, but I kept getting you know like it's all ads unionized for up there. You, it's all unionized. So <laughs> damn unionized wow. Urdu speakers. How did you think? Yeah, you? How did you unions. really think? you were going to find somebody in Nashville to sing Urdu on New Orleans Gospel uh, faith, record. Faith. It was just a, it was a leap of faith. It was like, there's got to be one person here right. somewhere. A student. N- no one at Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt who doesn't exactly. teach it. You know, yeah. the, and, and the answer was no. But the best part about the whole thing so far, and we're just still in the nation stages, we have the album. The best part right now is that people are coming out of the woodwork to be like, oh, wait, that's cool. I want to do that, too. And wow. so the ultimate goal is that people are going to be writing this sort of sonic interfaith, intercultural love letters huh. themselves. You know, this is just an idea that I have, but I want everyone else to do it. That would be fantastic. I want to hear deep down Delta motherfucking blues in German. And I don't want no Swiss German. I don't want no Bavarian German. I want Austrian German. Give it to me. <laughs> well, there's over a thousand different dialects in Austria, so you'll have to maybe narrow that down. Salzburg. <laughs> they have their own dialect. <laughs> so this is just the beginning, Wahida. This is you just are- the beginning, because the best part is all the vocals on the album I have done in the isolation booth. I'm going to take it out, record it again in Hindi. Take it out, record it again in Arabic. Take it out, record it again in Polish. And not stop. Never. 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 Wow. <laughs> okay, that's a pretty interesting idea. Did, yeah. Is that how you, you didn't start off with that? That's the yes. rec- that's a recent idea. No, that, no, that, that's that been the, the idea, idea from the, the beginning. beginning. Originally, we wanted so to this do it in like, Arabic, but my Urdu is better than my Arabic. So, <laughs> so this is, but now you want to do it in all these other languages Absolutely. too. Absolutely, and I want other people to do it too. So this is like karaoke. Yeah, <laughs> isn't, isn't it? Karaoke gospel. Uh, yes. I know that's kind of an insulting word to it's use. Not insulting bro. at all. Oh, thank God for that. It's okay. the only singing I had. Let's take a listen to a song Let's off the off this album. Do, Chris, do. what have we got lined up? Uh, over in the glory land. Hallelujah. Over in the glory land. Jahan mein 
Tuberculosis. That's my There guess. you go. <laughs> wow. So now the record's out. Here it is. It's beautiful. It's uh, what's sort of a pale blue. Is it? Is this? Uh, is this? Is this Urdu? Yeah. Yeah. No. That's actually what Arabic it? calligraphy done in the shape of a fleur de lis. So it says ah. the, the Sufi second line. Okay. Sufi second line. <laughs> so. Um, how much are we selling these for now? Nine ninety nine or ten bucks or whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're doing it ten bucks right $10. now. Ten dollars. Or you can also uh, go on Facebook and you can go on the website wahida.org. Wahida meaning uh, unity in Arabic, Urdu, and numerous other continental languages. And Urdu is the what? Is it the fourth biggest language in the world? Or something? Oh yeah, it's massive. I mean, we're so, talking half a billion people speak it. So how do we get this in the hands of half a billion? I am proud What's to the... report. Yes, that as of one week ago. Official. <laughs> Every single American diplomat currently serving in the Republic of Pakistan is being issued one copy of Wahida, the Sufi second line, for the express purpose of winning hearts and minds of the Pakistani people, the only country in the world that doesn't really like America, and their impression gets worse every year. Thank you. <laughs> so is that true? Every Fantastic. single diplomat in... In Pakistan itself. Every, in every, the, every American Foreign Service officer in Pakistan. is going to be issued one of these. And how many people is that, actually? Uh, that, that's close to 200. So you've, and the, the government is paying for this? Uh, oh, dear. Don't tell the oh, libertarian. Don't tell no. the libertarian. This is going down a bad road now. <laughs> are, we, uh, are our taxes paying for I mean, I'm happy to, you know, to have my taxes absolutely. paid for Wouldn't that. you rather your taxes pay for this than say... You know, yeah, but how did you pull that off? Exactly, yeah. Uh, how did I pull that off? Well, yeah. I'll tell you. New Orleans is the center of the universe. Um, I <laughs> sent uh, one of the other board members of the International High School. His uh, girlfriend's son is a diplomat serving in Pakistan right hang now. On, hang on a minute. One of the yeah. board members of the International High School, his girlfriend's son, son serves in so Pakistan. she's divorced or something. They both are, yeah. Oh, they're both divorced. And they, they are now dating each other. And yes. the son, who is also <laughs> single, just in case you're interested, um, <laughs> uh, they gave me his email address. I sent an email to him. Yeah. He said, oh, isn't that fantastic? Because guess what? The head of our cultural section just brought over the Stooges Brass Band. Wow. From New Orleans wow. to play in four cities in Pakistan. It's meant wow. to be. And they ate it up. They were, they were absolutely they were like, oh, my God, this is fantastic. fantastic. It was the first yeah. American band in history. To go to Pakistan and go to these particular three cities. One, wow. one had already had American music before, okay. but three of them had not. And as a result, bam, they're wow. hungry. It was just a taste. The Stooges That's were just, mm, that, here's your appetizer. You like that? You, like, <laughs> you want more? You got to beg, baby. Beg. Who, who booked the Stooges of all the bands in the United States? Right. 
Uh, who booked it? I mean, how about oh, the so same? The, the guy who's the head of the cultural section went to Tulane. Okay. That's how small the world is. Now you're talking. See, there we go. Okay, there like, we go. Like a Jewish grandmother. <laughs> hey, that's how it was. Even so, more prouder to be a Tulane alum, so. Amen. So you're going to have to. you know. Yeah. So you're going to have to go over there, so they'll have to bring you over. The band is going to have to go there now on a tour to support the album. Yeah, yeah exactly. So these three, what are the, we need... We need to get, send the band to Pakistan. We still need uh, album sales. We still need uh, support. We're going to be giving out T-shirts and all kinds of stuff very soon. Go to the website, wahida.org. W-H-I-D-A-H. W-A, what did I say? W-A-H-I-D-A. W-A-H-I-D-A. Wahida.org. Yeah, you're right. And on Facebook, Thank you. Sufi's second line. Sounds like a fantastic Kickstarter campaign. Well, that's how we raise the money to make the album. Ah, even better. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the movies. I want to ask you about movies, Olga, and I'm sure. going to make you play another song. Kate's back with it. Oh, another drink? Yes, please. You, can, you don't have to whisper, Kate. It's okay. Okay. How is it? <laughs> yeah, very nice. Olga, you're like an, a movie star as well. Well, I not well, yet. Well, the word star is probably a bit... <laughs> Working on you're that. You're an actress. I'm in the movies. In the movies. How did yes. you get to... Did you, this film that won an award at the New Orleans Film Festival, oh, the yeah. best short film, and it's still winning awards all over the place. It says, did you make... Did you direct this film? No, it's actually... It. I'm in it. It's a student director. His name's Andrew Bryan. He's graduated now. He went to UNO. And it was his senior thesis film. Mm-hmm. And it's about... It's, it's almost like a silent film because there's not actual dialogue, per se, that's on a script. It's a lot of just acting and interacting. It's about um, a street performer statue, one of the silver guys, who um, ends up competing with, the, with um, a girl musician who's me for the same kind of turf. And then they, he you know, asks her to play a song, and he ends up falling in love with her, and there's like, this whole exchange going on. And then, anyway, I don't want to give away the whole point of the story, but it's 10 minutes long. It's a short and um, What's and it called? it's, it's called statue. Statue. Yeah, and it's um, it's screening just this month. It's got three festivals. It'll be screening at, um, or maybe even four. One in Boulder, the Boulder Film Festival. So I'm going out there in a couple weeks. Um, one w- in Oakland, WGNU, California, no Brainwash uh, Movie Festival, and the Ruby Mountain Film Festival in um, Elko. Just this month, it's doing that. And there's another one I'm missing. Um, did that it's launch? Did that launch your career? Did that launch your career? Um, no, no, I've been, I've been doing theater since I was a kid. You know, I, I did theater and musical theater and drama and that sort of thing. So, um, in fact, that's what I originally wanted to do. And it was sort of an accident. The music thing was just sort of an accident. What I really, really wanted planned. to do was be an actress. So then I did the music thing and I, you know, went on this whole journey odyssey of the blues. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and they don't call it the blues for nothing. Yeah, just right. saying. Yeah, you're right. Um, so that was, you know, a big, long twist and turn. And then, you know, I'm back in New Orleans, and then this whole film industry is basically well, moved down here. And I was like, this is wonderful. I don't have to go to Los <laughs> Angeles. I can just stay here and get back into acting and how, doing that sort of thing. How do we see the statue? Where, where, where can we see it in You town? can see it online. Um, I don't think – it might be screening at another local film festival here in – later this fall, and hopefully the Lafayette – Film festival in November. Um, I'm not sure yet. I don't know, cool. but well, probably will. But I know Christian, or online, yes. just go to. Um, you can see it on my Facebook page. So just go to yeah, facebook.com/slash Olga Blues Babe. Olga Blues Babe, or you, on my website laolga.com. It, it'll be on there. So yeah, we have you a link. You got Olga.com. When did you like, have to do that? Wow. <laughs> I got it right in the late she wrote 90s. Her first blues song. No, okay. I got it in the late 90s. <laughs> late 90s. Okay. Mm-hmm. Age of five. Well, if you know people in Como, Mississippi. 
You can get hooked up with stuff Apparently like that. Apparently so, yeah. But you've been, we, we tried to book you for the show ages ago. Christian, who books our music people, and we, he and I were talking, we tried to get you, and you, you couldn't do this week and you couldn't do that week because you're doing this movie and that movie and you're working for Quentin Tarantino. I did, yeah. But what was? So you've been busy as hell. Yeah, what I mean, is, August was slow as hell, so I mean, I had plenty what, of time there. What were you doing for <laughs> Quentin Tarantino? He's a pretty serious director to work for. You know, you, that was a everybody has to be sort good. of thing. Um, they had a special night of, they had Mediterranean cuisine. They flew in like $1,300 ham, and Harvey Weinstein was there and whatever, and they were looking for a violin he was player. A, he was the $1,300 ham. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. I think he's probably worth a little bit more than that. But oh, probably. <laughs> Ham from Spain, I should say. Um, anyway, they were, they wanted a violin player, and so casting called me and asked me if I could play violin, and I said sure. Um, because do you, do you play violin? I I do play. So I'm, a, I'm a closet violin player. Yeah, I okay. I played in GI Joe too, which filmed last September. So that's how they called me for the, the Django thing. and wow. um, Bizarre. Yeah. I, I, I've been playing this violin a, in the movies, so now I'm, I'm actually practicing a lot. And so this wow. was sort of my first kind of quote-unquote gig, right. was playing for this party for Quentin and Harvey. And this but that was a party. That wasn't film. That wasn't part of the no, film. Was that was just a party. And they, I, come, they come to... Just let me get this straight for a minute. They come to New Orleans to shoot a movie for whatever reason. I guess because it's cheap, right? Because right. yeah. there's film tax credits here. Yeah, yeah. And they want to have a party. They had a lot of parties. Okay, so they just... Oh, I guess so they have to change it up. So they want a violin player for their party. Why, why? Why? Because Quentin is a very creative, inspired individual, and he just thought it'd be great to have a violin player play at the Mediterranean... Were you playing solo? I was playing solo. Wow. And I had never really done that before. And uh, and prior to that, I got a call a couple hours before I had to show up, and one of the actors had a request, and they wanted a piece by Fritz Kreisler, who's an Austrian composer I'd never heard of before because he's from, like, the 1900s. And so on top of that, I had to learn a song. (laughs) (laughs) For the 10 minutes to go. We are like, two hours before I had to play. Well, you discovered Fritz Kreisler. who's actually quite interesting, though. I have a really good ear. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Did so you? had another hour, I would have learned the entire thing, but I learned most of it, and I, I went there, and I thought, you know, I've got nothing to lose. If I, if I mess up, then I mess up, and I'll just keep going. There's exactly one matter. person that would know in that entire place that you had screwed up. So right. Who was the actor true. who was uh, um, so Christoph Waltz. Yeah. Ah, okay. He's Austrian. He's from Vienna. And so, anyway, so I got there and played, and um, I, they had me on a platform. They had me mic'd up, which had me a little nervous, but... How many people are at this thing? It was like 200 people. It was wow. like the whole cast and crew wow. and everybody. They're eating, you know, and having dinner. And so, anyway, what happened was I was on the platform, and my foot tapping was really distracting me. Did you I have was, this thing on? No, I didn't. I was just tapping. I had heels on, it's and a it, lead shoe. it was on a platform, <laughs> and I was keeping time. Yes. And with guitar, it doesn't bother me so much, but the violin, I'm not used to that. So it was really distracting me, so I took off my shoe, and I tapped barefoot. And apparently, Quentin thought that was really clever and funny and great. So I later mm-hmm. on got invited to another party <laughs> that night, and met him and he said oh man i just i loved it thank you so much and so tell me about your technique man what, what's the whole thing with the shoe off and the barefoot and you turn the pages with your foot and all that I was like, <laughs> hold on a second who cares about taking off the shoe you turn the pages with your foot well somebody walked by and knocked over the the music and so i had to stick my foot up but you were still I was, playing i was still playing the you're amazing must go that's on. fucking <laughs> incredible it's fate 
So anyway, he said he thought it was really great and wanted to know about this technique. I said, honestly, it's not a technique. I've never performed like this in front of anyone. I took off my shoe because my foot tapping was fucking me up. And he just started laughing. He thought that was so great. And so two days later, I got another call, and they asked if I wanted to be a stand-in on the movie. I said, sure. So I went there, and I ended up standing in for another of the actors. And lo and behold, I started standing in for a bunch of the actors on the movie. It's all guys in the movie. I guess they they just decided they were tired of looking at guys, and they wanted the violinist <laughs> to come and be the stand-in for the guys. So I stood in for five of the actors. I even stood in for Jamie Foxx a couple times. <laughs> Finally, got to be black. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And they're just a really fun, fun-loving group. They just like to have a good time. You know, it's just it just didn't matter. So for them, it was funny. You know, that it was the violent right. player with the barefoot and standing in for the guys. You know, so that's what I ended up doing. And then I ended up also DJing because they, they like to play music on set during the setup. So I was. You know, You're going to end up married to one of these guys on the set. So <laughs> hopefully, I'll be starring. In <laughs> this the next is movie. great. What a great story. <laughs> but either way, it didn't matter to me. I mean, I was happy to do whatever. Yeah. You know, hey, listen, we've got to get moving here in a minute, but we have to make you play another song before sure. we get out here. Yeah, you can, have you drank any of this wine yet? Not much. Uh-uh. And you're trying to hold off on I that. I will after I'm done. What are you going to play? Uh, this is an original song. It's called The Sweetest Lover. Wow.
if you just give it time. But give it time, give it time. Yeah, you'll just give it time. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Very nice indeed. Wow. Okay. Who was that inspired by? Anybody we know? Probably not. Mm, anybody you know? Was it inspired by real life? Oh, of course. Wow. That must have been yeah. a great day when that guy came back. Well, girl. Yeah, he hasn't come back yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's the whole point of the story. Ah. Wow. I thought it was a sweet day when these guys are sweet as love to your soul. It's, it's a, a dream. dream. It was it's all a dream. Ah. Well, it's you still know, something to look forward to. Sometimes inspirations come in dreams and daydreams. I mean, come on, isn't that how how um, Einstein came up with half of his stuff? Was he was daydreaming? Without and question. Isaac Newton, he was daydreaming under a tree and got hit in the head with an apple, which knocked him out. He's probably. And then he woke up right and now, realized. He'll come back to you. Yeah. <laughs> don't you worry, baby. That would uh, that would get most guys to come back, don't you think, guys? Absolutely. No, you're so. Caleb, you'd be I right on the so. way back right there, right? <laughs> Hey, guys, thanks for joining me here today on Happy Hour. That's, uh, that's our show that's for it. today. All right. Yes, Olga, otherwise known as Thank Olga you. Blues Babe. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for joining us. Caleb Trotter, the Libertarian candidate for Congress for the 2nd District of New Orleans. Good luck. Thank you. On the, what date is it? The 6th of November? November 6th. November 6th. It's we'll have a new congressman who's going to legalize pot for I the whole country. So. <laughs> What's that? I said, I sure hope so. Yes. Andrew Ward, thank you for coming back for your third visit to Happy Hour. We're always happy to have you back. Yes, me too. We'll hear more about Wahida. There's links to everybody around the table on our website. It's neworleans.com. The producers of our show are Melinda Hawes, Graham DuPonte, Trish Kaufman, and Anoush Karun. Our associate producer and technical director is the fabulous Chris Kehoe. Our music director is Christian Unruh. Dr. Cliff Brigden is our web designer and our link to the real world. Mitch Foreman, who's almost living still is playing the piano and wrote the theme that you're listening to. If you'd like to be on our show and you can stay upright for about an hour and buy four or five drinks, <laughs> drop us a line at itsneworleans at gmail.com or check us out on our website. There's tons of ways to get in touch with us. Our show is recorded live at the Collins Hotel in Uptown New Orleans. You can check out our other happy hours and our other shows. Out to Lunch with Peter Raschuti live from Commander's Palace. Mindset with psychiatrist Dr. Nick Pajic. True to the Game with Chris True and Tammy Nelson. And Win Win, our new show about the New Orleans Vietnamese community with Steve Wynn and Q Wynn. They're all on itsneworleans.com. You can also keep up with us by liking It's New Orleans on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter and you can sign up for our mailing list at our website, itsneworleans.com. If you're listening to us on iTunes, thanks for subscribing. And uh, maybe before you have another cocktail, you could take a moment to rate and review us. That would be great and help other people find us. Happy Hour is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com. For Mitch Foreman on piano, I'm Grant Morris. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time right here on Happy Hour. <laughs>